Welcome to this week's Book of Mormon podcast. We'll be dealing with the rest of the so-called war chapters. Um, The war chapters are uh, chapter 43 to 62, and today our Come Follow Me podcast reading block is Alma 53 to 63. These are very relevant to us, as we mentioned on last week's podcast. We live in so-called war years ourselves, and so there's a great benefit from us in reading these several chapters that Mormon chose to put in the Book of Mormon. Let's go to the end of our reading block first to pick up some perspectives that will be very helpful for us in understanding these chapters in today's reading block. We'll go to chapters 62 and also 63, and then we'll go back to 53 and move forward from there. In chapter 62, uh, verses 39 and 40, Mormon, who is our great teacher as he compiles the Book of Mormon, summarizes and teaches us some specific things that he feels are very important to us. Let's go ahead and read chapter 62, verses 39 and 40. Verse 39, And thus ended the thirty and first year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, And thus they had had wars and bloodsheds and famine and affliction for the space of many years. Now verse 40, And there had been murders and contentions and dissensions and all manner of iniquity among the people of Nephi. We're not talking the Lamanites there. They, of course, have many issues too. But this is describing the people of Nephi those whom Captain Moroni and others have been protecting from the Lamanites. Nevertheless, for the righteous' sake, yea, because of the prayers of the righteous, they were spared. Did you notice a principle there? The principle is that even when a nation is quite wicked as a whole, the prayers and righteous living of the few righteous among them can cause the Lord to spare them, at least for a season. Let's read verse 40 again now. And there were, and there had been murders and contentions and dissensions and all manner of iniquity among the people of Nephi. Listen next. Nevertheless, for the righteous' sake, yea, because of the prayers of the righteous, they were spared. Now, what else does Mormon point out and teach us here in chapter 62? Well, let's look at verse 41. But behold, because of the exceedingly great length of the war between the Nephites and the Lamanites, many had become hardened because of the exceedingly great length of the war, and many were softened because of their afflictions, insomuch that they did humble themselves before God, even in the depth of humility. So the question is this, why is it that when life gets harder and things go wrong, why do some 
members of the church, for instance, become stronger and more faithful, whereas some get weaker and weaker and even leave the church? Well, there are no doubt many answers, but one answer at least is this. What is the first principle of the gospel? Well, the Articles of Faith remind us that the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the first principle of the gospel. So, possibly one of the answers to verse 41 as to why many became hardened and many became softer and more faithful is that those who become softer and more faithful under very trying circumstances, especially when some of the blessings they expect from the Lord have not arrived yet, they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, period, that softens all hardships and difficulties because when we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive we receive and recognize additional strength and help from above. One more thing we will look at here. Well, a couple more things uh, as we continue in chapter 62. Uh, In verses 42 to 44 now, We're going to see Moroni retire. We're also going to find out that Moroni was married. He had a righteous son named Moroni-ha. And so we're going to suspect that Moroni must have had a wonderful, strong, righteous wife because Moroni, as we have read, would have been gone most of the time to war. So his wife, whoever she was, had to be a very strong mother and had to have raised Moroni and possibly other children in the Lord. We will also see Moroni finally return home to Zarahemla. Let's go ahead and read chapter 62, verses 42 and 43, and then talk a little bit more about this. And it came to pass that after Moroni had fortified those parts of the land which were most exposed to the Lamanites until they were sufficiently strong, he returned to the city of Zarahemla. And also Helaman returned to the place of his inheritance. And there was once more peace established among the people of Nephi. We'll read verse 43 also and then talk about a little more. And Moroni yielded up the command of his armies into the hands of his son, whose name was Moroniha. And he, meaning Moroni, he retired to his own house that he might spend the remainder of his days in peace. Verse 44, And Pahoran did return to his judgment seat, and Helaman did take upon him again to preach unto the people the word of God. For because of so many wars and contentions, it had become expedient that a regulation should be made again in the church. Well, once again, we see from these verses that Moroni was retired, was 
that Moroni was married, and it'll be nice to meet his wife someday. Uh, he finally was able to return home to Zarahemla. We also read that Helaman, who is another one of our heroes, returned home. We also read in verse 44 that Helaman went back to preaching the gospel. We also saw in verse 44 that Pahoran, who was a righteous chief judge who had been put off his chief judgment throne, so to speak, by the king men and internal dissension, we see that Pahoran, in verse 44, was returned to the judgment seat where he could rule in righteousness there. Now a question that comes up here. Uh, how old was Captain Moroni when he became the chief captain of all the Nephite armies? The answer in Alma 43, verse 17, is that he was 25 years old. That makes you wonder about the strength of other men among the Nephites if they had to go to such a young man, young man in order to find a chief military leader. Now, he was 25 years old when he became chief captain over the Nephite armies. How old was he when he died? Well, let's look at Alma chapter 63, reading chapter 63, verse 3. And it came to pass that Moroni died also, and thus ended the thirty and sixth year of the reign of the judges. Now, if you do a little math, you find that Moroni was somewhere between 42 and 43 years old in 56 B.C. when he died. So his whole life after he was 25 was spent in fighting the wars and defending the Nephite people. That's pretty sobering that he would dedicate his whole life. And to me, personally, just an opinion, it means that he was completely worn out by the constant involvement day and night in defending the Nephite nation. He was a marvelous, righteous man, and it will be fascinating to have the privilege, hopefully, in the next life of meeting him also. Now, one more thing before we go back to chapter 53 and pick things up in the normal order here. Uh, how do you avoid becoming hardened by hardship? We read that some of the Nephites had become very hard-hearted because of the afflictions they went through. How do you avoid becoming hardened by hardship? Well, uh, Mormon put a wonderful answer in here for us. We will read chapter 62, verses 46 to 51 here, verses 46 to 51, and get the answer that Mormon wants us to be aware of so that we ourselves can avoid becoming hardened by hardship. Verse 48 and the people of Nephi began to prosper. Now let's go back to 46. I think we'll start there instead. 
Verse 46, And it came to pass that they did establish again the church of God throughout all the land. That was foundational. To have peace was to have the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, as a firm foundation for their nation. Verse 47, Yea, and regulations were made concerning the law, and their judges and their chief judges were chosen. And the people of Nephi began to prosper again in the land and began to multiply and to wax exceedingly strong again in the land. And they began to grow exceedingly rich. Verse 49, but notwithstanding their riches, here's key, a key issue for us, but notwithstanding their riches or their strength or their prosperity, they were not lifted up in the pride of their eyes, neither were they slow to remember the Lord their God, but they did humble themselves exceedingly before him. You are no doubt aware that being humble is an agency choice and does not necessarily depend on circumstances. But they did humble, them, did humble themselves exceedingly before him. Verse 50, Yea, they did remember how great things the Lord had done for them. That's a major theme of the Book of Mormon, to remember past blessings and be grateful for them. Let's go ahead. Verse 50, Yea, they did remember how great things the Lord had done for them, that he had delivered them from death and from bonds, and from prisons, and from all manner of afflictions, and he had delivered them out of the hands of their enemies. Verse 51, And they did pray unto the Lord their God continually, insomuch that the Lord did bless them according to his word, so that they did wax strong and prosper in the land. Now let's go back to Alma chapter 53. This is one of my personal favorites in the whole Book of Mormon. It has to do with the 2,000 stripling warriors. Uh, the situation that we have here in chapter 53 uh, is described and summarized in verse 9. You remember that it's a time of war, and the Nephites themselves have quite often failed to live their lives righteously according to the knowledge of the gospel, which they do have. So we go to verse 9, and it says, And thus because of iniquity amongst themselves, because the Nephites themselves were letting a lot of wickedness see, creep in, yea, because of dissensions and intrigue among themselves, they were placed in the most dangerous circumstances. So that's the situation. There is grave danger of being overrun and conquered by the Lamanites. Now, we go to verses 13 and 14 and read that. Verse 13, But it came to pass when they saw the danger and the many afflictions and tribulations which the Nephites bore for them. Now, who's that talking about? That's talking about the faithful Lamanites who had been converted to the church by the four sons of Mosiah. Of course, it's by the Holy Ghost and their missionary companions. They had been 
brought back home to the Nephites, and the Nephites had made room for them, so that, and also promised to defend them because they had made an oath that they would not take up weapons of war and shed blood anymore. So, verse 13, it came to pass that when they, the what we now call the Ammonites, the people of Ammon, these righteous Lamanite converts who are living among the Nephites on a particular part of land, parcel of land, and the many afflictions and tribulations which the Nephites bore for them, that would be hard to sit there, sit back, so to speak, and watch the Nephites losing the many of their own people in order to defend these righteous converts. They were moved with compassion and were desirous to take up their arms in the defense of their country. So they are thinking seriously about breaking their oath and taking weapons and going against the Lamanites to war and thus violating their oath. Well, they had discussed quite a little bit about it, and in verse 14 it says, But behold, as they were about to take their weapons of war, they were overpowered by the persuasions of Helaman and his brethren, for they were about to break the oath which they had made. So, starting with verses 16 going on to verse 18, But behold, it came to pass they had many sons who had not entered into a covenant that they would not take their weapons of war to defend themselves against their enemies. In other words, we're now being introduced to the 2,000 stripling warriors. Therefore, they did assemble themselves together at this time, as many as were able to take up arms, and they called themselves Nephites. Verse 17, And they entered into a covenant to fight for the liberty of the Nephites, yea, to protect the land unto the laying down of their lives. Yea, even they covenanted that they never would give up their liberty, but they would fight in all cases to protect the Nephites and themselves from bondage. Verse 18 tells us how many there were. Now behold, there were 2,000 of those young men who entered into this covenant and took their weapons of war to defend their country. Now they will ask Helaman to be their leader, and so... We often refer to them now as the sons of Helaman. By the way, Helaman, the one we have here, was the son of Alma the Younger. His son, Helaman, also will be the record keeper in the book of Helaman, which comes next. Well, how did they get such strength and faith and personal righteousness? Alma 56 verses 44 to 48 gives us a major, major lesson in the power of righteous mothers and indeed the power of righteous families and righteous fathers. Here we're going to focus focus on the mothers and we will start with uh, chapter 56 verse 44 and go on to 48. Verse 44. Therefore, what say ye, my sons? Will ye go against them to battle? 
This is Helaman talking. And now I say unto you, my beloved brother Moroni, hopefully you're aware that uh, Helaman has written a letter or an epistle to Moroni, and he's talking about these wonderful 2,000 stripling warriors that he is leader of. I say unto you, my beloved brother Moroni, that never had I seen so great courage, nay, not amongst all the Nephites, verse 46, for as I had ever called them my sons, for they were all of them very young, even so they said unto me, Father, behold, our God is with us, and he will not suffer that we should fall. Then let us go forth. We would not slay our brethren, meaning the Lamanites, if they would let us alone. Therefore let us go, lest they should overpower the army of Antipas. Verse 47, Helaman's telling Moroni here, Now they never had fought, yet they did not fear death, and they did, not, they did think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their lives. Yea, they had been taught by their mothers. That's one of the favorite parts of the Book of Mormon for me. Yea, they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. And verse 48, And they rehearsed unto me the words of their mothers, saying, We did not doubt, our mothers knew it. Were they saved from very vicious and intense battle? The answer is no. They were right in the middle of it, the thick of it. Let's go to Alma 57 and use verses 25 to 27 to make sure we understand that they really had rough battles in which they were involved. Alma 57, verse 25. And it came to pass that there were 200 out of my 2,060. He's gained 60 more who have joined his group of 2,000 since they gathered together. And there were 200 out of my 2,060 who had fainted because of the loss of blood. Nevertheless, according to the goodness of God, and to our great astonishment, and also the joy of our whole army, there was not one soul of them who did perish. Yea, and neither was there one soul among them who had not received many wounds. Verse 26, And now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army. Yea, that they should be spared while there was a thousand of our brethren who were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God. And why? Here's one of the major answers. Because of their exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God, and whosoever did not doubt, that they should be preserved by his marvelous power. And here again is the answer. Verse 27. Now this was the faith of these of whom I have spoken. They are young and their minds are firm and they do put their trust in God continually. That's one of the most beautiful accounts in the whole Book of Mormon. The major message, of course, is the power of righteous mothers 
to influence their children throughout their lives. This is the power of righteous families also. Now, talking about our day, are such youth today spared from battle? No, but they are fortified for it by the teachings of their righteous mothers and their families. They are in a battle with the adversary, with Satan and his forces that is getting more and more intense. In fact, the scriptures tell us that in the last days, Satan will rage in the hearts of men. And we're seeing that today. But hopefully we and our children and our families are very well fortified in order to stand as this 2,000 stripling warriors did against evil and indeed survive. Now, we have just a short time left. Let's uh, go to one of the major messages that I feel is very important in this particular reading block. Uh, The message is that we can choose not to take offense. We often run into situations where people offend us, even well-intentioned people could offend us. People that do not like the gospel and do not like our involvement can uh, ridicule us. We can have people who do not understand our motives, which are good, uh, accuse us of uh, things that are not in harmony with what God has for us. And yet, in our own way of thinking, we do uh, think that what we're doing is the right course of action. There are many, many, many such situations Let's talk about righteous chief judge Pahoran, whose situation is in this reading block for us today. The situation that Pahoran has found himself in is this. He has been serving as the chief judge, in other words, the president of the nation, if we were comparing it to our uh, government today. Uh, The king men have taken over the nation. We ran into them in last week's uh, reading block. The king men have undermined the principles of democracy, so to speak, that righteous King Benjamin set up when they were putting an end to the rule of kings over the Nephites. He established a nation with judges and uh, a system of where the people were able to vote and uh, have much involvement with who would be their judges over them. And now this system of what I will call democracy, I suppose others could call it a different kind of system, but it's basically where the people have the right to vote, and they have agency, and they have righteous laws, and the laws are sustained by their political leaders, including their chief judges. Pahoran, the chief judge among the Nephites at this point, the Book of Mormon, has been ousted as chief judge. The king men have caused havoc in the nation, and the righteous Nephites have lost their representation in the government to those who want to establish a system of kings again. Now, because of this, Pahoran 
and the righteous Nephites in the Nephite nation have not been able to give Moroni the support and assistance, the food, the additional soldiers that he needs. Moroni does not know this, and so he writes a very scathing letter to Pahoran. That's in Alma chapter 60. He really scolds him. And uh, the thing that we're driving at right now is uh, Pahoran could have chosen to take great offense at Moroni's epistle or letter when Pahoran read it. Uh, he could have chosen to be angry at Moroni and uh, retort back with bitterness and write a scathing letter in return. But let's look at Pahoran's response. Uh, the letter that Moroni wrote, you can read it in Alma chapter 60, but Pahoran's response is Alma 61 and 9. He, has, he says many things, but the part that I would like to read as we kind of conclude this podcast session is this. It's Alma chapter 61, verse 9. Now, and this is Pahoran writing back to Moroni. And now in your epistle, this is verse 9 of chapter 61, and now in your epistle, in other words, letter, you have censured me, you severely criticized me, but it mattereth not. I am not angry. Do rejoice in the greatness of your heart. I, Pahoran, do not seek for power, save only to retain my judgment seat, that I may preserve the rights and the liberty of my people. My soul standeth fast in that liberty in the which God made us free. I love Pahoran's statement at the first of verse 9. Uh, I am not angry, but do rejoice in the greatness of your heart. That takes a very, very secure individual to return that kind of statement for a scathing rebuke that he had just received. Same with us. If we are solid in the gospel and have the gospel perspectives that we need, we can actually choose not to take offense. Many people have quit their activity in the church because they claim that some member offended them or a bishop offended them or somebody didn't recognize them for their accomplishments or whatever. Uh, the Book of Mormon message here, one that Mormon really wants us to see, is that we can choose not to take offense. And I really admire Pahoran, and I'm looking forward to meeting him someday, too. Well, there are many, many, many more messages in this reading block that the Holy Ghost will teach us as we faithfully read it. And I pray that we will be well taught and our lives will be secure because we live in the last days when Satan's armies are coming at us from every side, but with the pure gospel of Jesus Christ and the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost with us, which is one of the promises in the sacrament prayers. We 
can live lives of happiness and joy and be lifted up by the powers of heaven on a daily basis. And to this end, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more Come Follow Me teaching materials, visit cedarfort.com. Use code CFPODCAST to save 15% on your entire order. That's C as in cedar and F as in fort, podcast, for 15% off your entire order.